You're listening to the Shady Designs Podcast, the show where you'll discover all the inside tips and stories behind Australia's favorite artists, designers, and experts. Now here's your host, Arif Imran. Hello and welcome to the Shady Designs Podcast. In this episode, we're going to discover how Fiona from Lilyfield Life saved over $200,000 in her home renovation, creating a space with character, personality, and charm. Fiona Gavin from Lilyfield Life, thanks for coming. Thanks, Arif. I thought I'd get straight into it. Okay, so here's the big question. What was the tender, what was the budget originally for your big renovation project? Well, I had, we'd lived here for about 10 years and we had in mind what we wanted to do and for us, it was more about what we ended up as our mortgage than what we spent, yep. if you know what I mean, like, because if we did extra work along the way. But in the end, we spent around about 450000 but I think we got around about $600,000 worth of value. I had about three builders come in and quote, and two of them walked away and said, uh, if we didn't have over a million dollars, a half a million dollars, yeah. they wouldn't even look at um, it. Quote for us, and that was a scaled down version of what we ended up doing. We ended up doing a lot more than what they were quoting on. So I think we did it pretty, a pretty good budget, pretty good that, value. That really makes my jaw drop. You've that's a two hundred thousand dollars saving, really, or. Or you've managed to squeeze in yeah, so much, so much extra, and I love visiting your website and, and your Facebook. And I got the chance to to pop in there in, in real life. And really, it's every corner you turn, there's something there. There's something quirky. It's not just your regular old, you know, reno of an old place. It's, yeah, yeah. I like a lot of character. <laughs> I, you know, I like where well, houses should, you know reflect the personalities within there and be beautiful really and I think that you can do that on a budget I mean that's what my whole blog's about is you know reusing old things working out how to do things cheaply but beautifully and what was the what was the key um to to getting that big saving what do you think it comes down to Um, what was that one thing that that made it happen I think well I think the biggest one was going own a builder and not using an architect. Yeah. So, you know, by not using an architect, there's 40 grand or more saved in one fell swoop, you know, right there and then. Uh, I did the de- – we'd lived here a long time, Arif, so I knew what I wanted. Yeah. And I knew the way that the house was used. And so, yeah, I drew up the plans myself. Or, and then well, I got a draftsman to – um, do the detailed plans for council, yep. but I went own a builder. It's really so it means that I carry the risk rather than the builder carry. I'm and you. you know, when builders carry the risk, you pay for them to carry the risk. Oh right, I see what you, you know. mean. Okay. You know, so builders will charge a lot more if, like anybody, but they've got they the liability on risks, them. Yeah, they've got the liability. So I was quite happy. I was really confident in our in the guy we hired you know, Sam Hall, Samuel Hall building, I was really confident in him to build a good house and me then carry the risk. If something goes wrong, I'll pay for it to get fixed. So you literally drew up what your impression of the, what what it was going to be and gave that yep. to the draft person to realise it and then yep. get it from that. 
Yep. And then we went um, complying development. So that was um, a lot of time saving rather than going through the DA process. So I just made sure the DA, the complying development rules, the regulations are really clearly laid out on the like you know on the websites yeah and so i just designed the house to fit in within what a complying development allows the thing that shocked me was you mentioned that what you've so what you've done is you've got a, a one-story house and you've gone up the thing that really shocked me was you said that it was literally a rectangle and when yeah. you're walking around the house you don't feel like that because you've got these corners you've got these twists you've got these turns and uh, it's not like I'm walking around that Ameriton, Ameriton apartment, you know what I mean, where you've got that yeah. hallway room, 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 and that's it. Yeah. Uh, is that how you kind of draw it up, or did that sort of happen because um, you've got beams here and structures no, there? No, well, the so the top floor is all brand new. We could have had it anyway except for where the staircase. So this, the staircase location really um, – laid out the, the upstairs for us because the staircase didn't fit on the other side where um, where the long hallways is to the children's bedroom. So we the, we ended up putting the staircase on the city side of the house, which yep. meant we get beautiful morning sun coming through there. And so then it meant that um, we've we've got a nice big landing, just the way the staircase evolved and the and the bathroom surrounding that upstairs so yeah and then I think that part of adding that interest is doing quirky things like our barn door sliding door to our bedroom to the master bedroom and using antique doors on the linen press rather than just builder grade doors and and just creating interest through architectural elements What's another big way of saving money? I know you mentioned the scaffolding. You, I think you should mention that now. Okay. So to hire scaffolding to build the second floor was going to cost us, just for the hire only, $5,000. So then we looked in, into buying scaffolding, like metal scaffolding, and that was a similar price, but we would have been able to sell the scaffolding at the end. But and my builder came up with the idea of building t- timber scaffolding and it worked really well because we were able to anchor off our fences. Um, and so that actually meant that the pathways were free but also we spent $1,500 um, on that timber and, you know, the labour of three days or whatever of the builders to build it. But then at the end of the build, we were able to reuse all that timber into building our cute little shed. Basically, we either got a free shed or we got free scaffolding. But that <laughs> took that took about five thousand dollars straight out of the bottom line of the budget. So yeah, and, so that was fantastic. And other little things that sort of add up, like the the Friday Wardrobes. afternoon clean. Oh uh, yeah, you know, doing <laughs> so that doing, yourself. I think that when you pay somebody on an hourly rate. Every time that you can save a little bit of money out of their hourly rate, you know, it all adds up over six months of the project. I mean, our builders, they're very efficient and the house went up, you know, we, we the scope, well, basically in the six months that our builder said he'd build the house, he also did a lot of extra work, like the bagola, the sheds, the terrace, replacing the existing front windows, 
retrofitting, like making our carport look nicer and everything. But basically to save money, um, things like Phil and I did the Friday afternoon site cleanup every Friday afternoon and we cleaned it ourselves. So, you know, it might only be $100 a week saving, but $100 over six months, you know, it all, it all adds up. You know, there's your curtains paid for, for example. Mm. Things like if the builders, you know, needed extra liquid nails, I would nick down to the – I was working from home at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, but money saved often is better than money earned. So That's, I yeah, would go and minute do, round trip, yeah. Yeah, I would go and go get the liquid nails or, you know, pick up things. And also I did a fair bit of painting cabinetry myself, you know, and helped out You know, if they needed things. So, for example, when the slab was getting laid, I spent three days shoveling sand rather than having a labourer $35 an hour shoveling sand. Yep. So, you know, all of those, lots of calluses, lots of blisters, but, you know, quite a, probably $1,000 saved. So, yeah. And so these are things like that. that you mentioned. These are these are extra things that you got, which means it's bonus things because it didn't take longer for them to do it. And because you had all this no, time saved in right. between, what, what are these other things that you, you managed to, to squeeze um, out of there? So... We originally the scope for the builder was the a laundry, the staircase, the lounge room, and the three bedrooms, two bathrooms upstairs. And basically, it didn't include. We ended up getting a new side path, a terrace with a pergola over it. We had a little shed built in the back, and we our carpet was very ugly, and so we came up with the idea. It was um just corrugated iron so we mm-hmm. put cement board like really cheap solution we replaced the two metal poles at the front with timber beams and lined the underneath the carport with cement board that looks like old-fashioned v-board and then just painted it and so it actually looks beautiful now and it was such a cheap way of fixing it it you know it was really good and um yeah so just things like that we um yeah so we were we were able to uh, basically get pretty much everything we wanted done in the house which wasn't in the original scope. And more, yeah. My three my three favourites are has to be top of the list is your staircase. That's it's a, it, it looks really sort of grand and uh, um, really elegant and you, you realise that we're in a little house in the inner city and it's just so yeah. unexpected <laughs> when you turn the corner and you, you get greeted with that. And I love your... The, the way that you went about creating your own fireplace mantelpiece. Yeah, so that was, I think that I'd looked at a lot of mantles and like ideally initially in my mind I sort of had like a French limestone one, but, you know, $8,000 just for the mantle in the French limestone and I'm like, there's a lot of other things that I can do for my family with $8,000 rather than just have a, a, the surround of the fireplace. And so in the end, uh, we, the builder and I flicked through Pinterest and had a look at, you know, it's such a great tool when you're designing your house, just not even to have to make decisions. I just pin all the photos that I like of fireplaces and then I go and I look at all the common elements Mm. and I go, well, that's what I like then rather than having to think about what you like. You can visually see the common element go okay that's what I like yeah and then we basically used all this leftover timber to 
build the fireplace and then once you paint it all white it just it looks amazing it looks like so, something that you would have bought, yeah, and, and yeah, you wouldn't yeah. realise that it was something that you literally kind of whacked together. And... Pieced together with <laughs> nails and liquid and liquid nails, yeah, and wood putty. And you seem to have kind of crea- uh, continued that theme throughout the house. So you've got panels on the wall, you've got um, you've got you've got the embellishments the on the doors, on the, the mouldings, and all the way out to to the to the um, little garage that you've got out the back. Yeah. But you got yeah. to the stage where the builders knew what you liked and ended up doing things for doing you. Doing things for me. Yeah, I think I was very lucky to find a builder with a similar aesthetic to us. I know my sister years ago did a renovation and the whole he was somebody who loved everything really modern and she's like me and likes more classical, interesting old things. And she had arguments over, you know, how to do, not not how to do it, but how it would look in the end mm. and I didn't have to do that with the builder because I think you know when you look at his house their house it's interesting and old like our house is and so I was just lucky I didn't have to have all those arguments about I like high door handles and high light switches you know whereas more in modern houses they're much lower and we didn't have to have those arguments about where are you putting everything and why do you want holding on all the doors and using old-fashioned I – I bought new doors but reproductions of old doors and my builder got that. He really understood, yep. you know, our aesthetic. So that was – I think I'm just probably lucky in finding a really good builder that we had a fantastic relationship with and also nurturing that relationship or if and not getting upset over little things because really at the end of the day, even if some little things might not have been how I planned – you know, it's not really the builder's fault that you live in this old house and things. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> things sometimes just aren't possible. And when, I mean, everyone watches a lot of grand designs, a lot of our listeners, a lot of our members here. And and, and one thing that I notice when you're watching it and you've got those those clients that are really uncompromising, they want it this way, but then they're on the budget as well. And then it just all seems to fall apart. I think, and this is something when I'm doing my furniture painting, I think in a lot of ways it's good not to go into a project with a very, very fixed outcome in mind. Let things evolve because, like in the furniture painting, sometimes the furniture just can't be painted in the way that somebody wants it to be painted because it bleeds or because the drawers rub and it needs to be distressed or, you know, we're not creating something... It wasn't a level site with a Meriton home built on it. You know, you're renovating yeah. an old house, 120-year-old house yeah. with existing issues like the walls weren't plumb, you know, so we had spent three days trying to match the new extension into the old non-plumb walls. So I think that I was always very mindful of being flexible and just keeping a general aesthetic of what I wanted. And, yes, I wanted spacious bedrooms, but, you know, the bedrooms ended up when we ha- we had to move the staircase from the original design and the bedrooms ended up 20 centimetres smaller. Like, they're still fine. It's fine, you know, and just being flexible about what you're going to get and realising that it's better than what you had you know that sort of saved a lot of angst along the way. Mm. You've got 
you mentioned that you've got an engineering background and and you're quite a, you're one of Australia's most talented furniture restor- restorers. But do you <laughs> have to be? Do you have to be to to be able to kind of come up with these you know ways of? Um, no, look, I I don't think so. I think that especially if you've got a good relationship with build, you know, and and that you're willing to problem when things arise. I think that the, uh, the solutions will generate themselves. Like one of our builders was one of the apprentices was twenty one year old girl, like she's a really good carpenter, but and and she came up with some great solutions. You know, like so. I think that if you go into a project with a flexible attitude, often the solutions will present themselves. And if you know, as you know, there's so much information out there in blogs and Instagram and Pinterest that, you know, all the design ideas are generally out there. You know, you can find information so readily. So you don't actually need to have it in your head or going into the project. What were your favourite sort of resources that you turned to or blogs or, or um, um, people that you kind of followed to, to get the style um, that you ended up with? Or was it a, a mishmash? Yeah, I think that, look, having painted furniture now for about eight years or something and blogging it's refined my own taste so I was I kind of knew the elements that I wanted I wanted a big grand living room and then this the height of the ceiling lent itself to that as far as I think just seriously typing things into Pinterest like for the pergola I just typed in white French pergola and up hundreds of photos from blogs all over the world of white French pergolas and then I just pinned all the ones that I thought were nice and then looked at that. So I think, you know, Pinterest is like the best design tool initially out there. And then um, as far as, yeah, I don't know, I, I I can't really put my finger on like one or two people who I follow but it's, it's it's good to be able to share photos with your contractor. Yeah, I, it's I think easy. there was before we started designing the house. I found a photo on a blog called Coco Crazy, uh, or Coco Cozy actually, Coco Cozy, and it was of the, it literally our house at the back has almost ended up exactly to that. It had the three. French doors with the transoms above and a pergola. And I just fell in love with it because it was interesting. It wasn't the big sliding door or bifold doors that everybody seems to have with that open inside out living. Um, I didn't want the whole of my back of my house open at once. I mean, in the in a way you could open the three big French doors and it's like that, but it's not just a whole wall that's not there at, at any time. Mm. And that photo was great to be able to show the builder because then he knew of a supplier, Trend Windows, who could do the French those French doors for me. Yep. So yeah, so that was that was a great find finding that that initial inspiration photo. So as a guest walking through your new house, it felt great, it looked great, but how has 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 it changed your family life? Yeah. How has that I, gone? And you know what, this is in a way, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this because I would think that I'm not a very material person, but I'm way I'm actually happier in all elements of my life living in this house. My, I mean, a lot of that's because I've now got a dedicated workspace and I'm not, you know, trying to cramp my work in around the bedroom or the lounge room, you know, with tools everywhere. 
But, yeah, I, I'd have to say the space and the functionality and the laundry, having a, a lovely laundry is fantastic. And, yeah, you know, it was worth waiting the 10 years of living in this house us to do it, but I'm glad that we actually finally did it. You mentioned your workspace. I think this would be a good time to mention Lilyfield Life. I've been waiting for a long time for you to introduce your classes. Tell us a little bit more about them. Yeah, so I run uh, monthly workshops where I basically teach people how to paint furniture. If I'm such a believer of the quality of old furniture and of giving that a new lease of life to fit your home and paint is the best decorator so I run a four-hour workshop where people bring a small piece of furniture and I basically download all my knowledge to them and they end up going home with not only a new skill but also a beautifully painted piece of furniture that um yeah, that they've, they can have in their home. I'm really a believer that humans should have a productive hobby, not just reading or going to the movies or something, that something you can stand back and say, I did that. And whether that's cooking or sewing or gardening or woodworking or painting furniture, I think that there's a, a real sense of a achievement and a joy out of you know out of being able to produce something and makes transform something so yeah so that's the the workshops hopefully you know give people a new hobby or hone their skills the way that you you know show people it it almost looks like anyone can do it is that would you say that you know really it's just moving your arm up and down (laughs) like (laughs) sure there's a lot of tips and things but it's just like you know I do also believe that anyone can draw you may need to be shown how to see and you may need to practice like a lot of people will say to me oh like Fiona you're very talented I don't actually believe that. I'm very practised. Yeah. You know, I paint furniture every single day and I think about it and I improve my skills and everything, but I'm practised and anybody can get practised because really it's at the end of the day, you know, it's moving your arm up and down. So if you can do that, you can learn how to paint furniture. And for those of you out there who would prefer Fiona to do it, there's also that service as well. Yeah, I also custom paint furniture and buy and sell vintage furniture. So, yeah, thanks, Ruth. My pleasure. Well, the website again is lilyfieldlife.com and you've got to jump on the on the Facebook and the Instagram because that's where you get to see all the, all the beautiful pieces going uh, left, right and centre. Great. Thank you, Ruth. My pleasure. Thanks again and um, look forward to seeing you again. Okay, thanks very much. Cheers. Bye. What a fantastic interview there with Fiona from Lilyfield Life. And isn't it fantastic to hear a renovation story gone really, really well? Loved her builder, loved her results. So here are the takeaways that I can get from that interview with Fiona for renovating on a budget. So how to save hundreds of thousands of dollars on your renovation. Well, her big tip up front was to go with a draftsperson. In her case, she went with a draftsperson instead of an architect where you're going to get a lot of costs. So straight up $30,000, $40,000 in costs just on the architect where she was able to sketch out what she want, wanted and then have that given to a draftsperson to, to turn it into 
the, uh, to turn it into the plans that she could literally give to the builder. And working with the builder and choosing a very good builder that has the style that she was after and trusted. So finding someone that has the proven results in the past and going with them and making sure that you develop a really good working relationship and working closely on site. The quirkiness really comes from Fiona's personality. So she was able to build a build a picture of what she was after and that was something that she was able to pass on to a builder and they were able to make it. So her big tip there was to use Pinterest. Back in the old days, you used to have to go to the library. Let's Not even the old days, let's go back 10 years ago. You'd go to the library, get architectural books, uh, find your favorite architects and lift out pages from the books and maybe uh, choose your 10 favorite resources. But nowadays, you've got all that access at your fingertips. You you can go in as, as deep as uh, architraves to fireplaces and, and really start to build a picture of exactly what you want, getting influences from around the world, and then communicating that with your builder. And that's really what it's all about. It's communication. Her best other tip was when you've got a plan and it doesn't go it doesn't go so well for you like uh, if you're dealing with old houses like we were in the interview that's also an opportunity for you to explore some other options in one of her cases Fiona's got a little wine cellar that we didn't mention in the interview but that was really one of my favorite little spaces underneath the staircase and behind the storeroom she was able to create a little nook which was the access to under the house, but also created an opportunity for her to create a little wine cellar. Her builders knew her so well that they were able to put in a little beam, and that is where she was able to to place her spirits. But it was just a really fantastic little secret hole that you never knew was in there, and a a, a little space that was usable, and a bonus as well, by using just the the off, off bits from around the project. So be flexible is is Fiona's next tip. So if you want any more details about the project that we were discussing, you can find them all on her blog, lilyfieldlife.com, and also on her Facebook, and I'll post some pictures here on our site. Thank you so much for listening to the Shady Designs podcast. You can jump onto shadydesigns.com.au, the home of Australia's favourite lampshades and cushions, bespoke and handmade to order. Thanks again.